Welcome back to Biased Opinion, Episode 4. A lot has happened since our last episode, so uh, in the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals. So let's get right into it, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, since we last had, since we last talked, uh, Game 3 and Game 4 have happened. Um, yeah, PJ, got anything to say? Yeah, I thought uh, the Bruins played well in Game 3. They kind of weathered St. Louis Dominated. in an early storm, and then they're up 4 nothing after a bunch of power play goals. St. Louis had a bad challenge, which led to a power play goal. And that game was pretty much never in doubt ever since, like, 10 minutes left in the first period. Kind of felt that the Bruins are going to win. Yeah. Last night was a little bit of the opposite. I thought the Blues kind of dominated the game and deserved to win. They had 38 shots on that. Bruins only 23. So, I'm not really surprised that the Blues won that game last night. And I think best of three series to uh, decide the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, last night, uh, game four... Bruins, the Blues scored like 42 seconds in or something like that, 42, 43 seconds in. Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly wraparound. Uh, can't let up wraparound. It's, I'm not blaming Tuco for that, but still, the defense was awful. Krug was standing still. Achari was late on the back check. I don't know what he was, where he was. Um, it was just bad defense. Everyone was standing still. They, were, they fell asleep. You can't let up a wraparound goal 42 seconds to a Stanley Cup final game. That's awful. I think right now the least of the Bruins' concerns is Tuka Rask. Right now the forwards are not the forwards really are nowhere to be producing found. consistently. Now Chara got hit in the, in the face no, of the I'm puck not, last night. I'm not night. blaming Tuka. So Tuka didn't have his best game, but I'm not blaming Tuka. The, the D- forwards were invisible. Krejci, was, Krejci, line, Krejci and DeBrusque have been the two worst players on the second line. Backage was better than them. Krejci and DeBrusque have been invisible for the last week. They've been nowhere to be found. Bergeron had a bad game. Pasta didn't do much. Marshall was actually one of the better forwards, I thought, and that's not saying much. He didn't even play great. He passed a 2-1. Basically, he walked into the slot and could have sniped, but passed it right into a Blues defenseman. It was just bad. Bad game overall for the Bruins forwards. He made a great play, though, on the shorthanded goal in the Bruins He did. That was, yeah, that was a good play by him. That was the highlight of the night for the Bruins. About middle, middle of the second period, Bruins had a power play opportunity when they were down 2-1, and then they missed. And then shortly after that, St. Louis had like a three-minute shift to the Bruins, couldn't get out. And then the Bruins committed a penalty, and somehow, out of all that, the Bruins tied the game and made it two to two. So that's the point where I thought that the Bruins could steal the yeah. game, because it looked like St. Louis was going to make it three to one, because they even had better chances shorthanded on the Bruins' power play in the yeah, that I, second period. I think that was the frustrating part about the game. I think after the Bruins scored the shorthanded goal, I thought I was confident that we could pull out that win. Tuga was playing at that point in the game. Tuga was on fire. He was making. He made a couple of really good saves, but right before that, and um. The night, like, I thought we were going to steal the game for sure. Bennington was playing pretty bad. He had two awful rebounds on the first two goals. Um, but uh, then they scored that. I mean, it was a Petrangelo shot from the top of the circles. Tuca didn't play the angle right. It was just a stupid. The defense was nowhere to be found. It was a bad goal. It was a stupid game winner, I thought. And that was just, it was frustrating loss for the Bruins. Because, I mean, they didn't play well, but I thought they were going to come out on top. I thought they were going to steal that game. But nothing ever got going. In the third period, I don't remember the Bruins really testing Bennington at all. I think they had like four shots on that in the third period. And then, like, the worst, I thought the worst part was, I think Char had a great game. His pinch on the first goal to Coyle. Oh, it was, he shot it on net, got generated a rebound. Great play by Char. I think he had his best game in a while last night. And then, obviously, he gets hurt, misses half the game. Um, and I mean he's the captain. I thought they would rally around him or rally around that. I thought they I thought that like Bergeron line. I think so, I thought someone would step up and there's just nothing. No urgency, nothing. They were just they didn't like, they were playing it like there was like 
10 minutes left in the first period with two minutes left. Yeah, Carlo was saying that Char couldn't even really talk on the bench. No, he... So his inspiration really didn't really go that far on the bench. No, no, it was, it was a tough loss, but... And Connor Clifton... Connor Clifton had a three-minute shift at one point that led when Tarasenko flopped and the Bruins scored the shorthanded goal off that. And Clifton had a... I mean, I don't know. Why was Clifton even out there for the empty net? I, I don't know why Clifton was out there, but McAvoy didn't really have that good a game either. McAvoy was bad. He was out there for the third goal, which he could have done better on and could have covered O'Reilly. And then I thought he was turning pucks over throughout most of the night, so it wasn't like he was generating much offense either. Yeah, it was just, that was a tough loss. Uh, Carlo, played, Carlo had a goal, stunningly. Shorthanded, obviously we already talked about it, but I mean the guy never scores. It's right like place, eight right points time. a season, and yeah, I mean it sucks that the one game Carlos scores, you gotta lose. But think of Carlos scoring, everyone be scoring, but nobody was to be found other than him and Char for half the game last night. And Tuca made a couple of big saves. I, th- I think it's worrying when the Bruins don't score a power play goal in the playoffs. In the playoffs this year, and they don't score a power play goal. They're four and three. That's fifty-seven percent win percentage. When they do score a goal, they're ten and four. That's seventy one percent win percentage. So when you got the Blues coach complaining about penalties after game three, the refs obviously going to call it tighter game four, less opportunities for the Bruins power play, no goals for the Bruins power the thing play. Is, the refs really the didn't Bruins call it lose. tighter game four. The ref, the refs, the refs called everything on the Bruins when the the refs the Blues flopped like five times last last game, like blatant awful flops. And the flops refs, did not decide the outcome of that game. They didn't, but the refs are calling penalties on the Bruins, but when the Bruins embellish, there's no, there's rarely a penalty called. Right, and it's, I'm saying that the Bruins are in trouble when they don't score. The refs are letting goals. the Blues play. They're not calling embellishment. I'm not blaming the refs, but... 5-on-5, five five, the Blues have been the better team this series. 5-on-5. Five five. That's fair, but the Bruins also... Right, so if the Bruins don't score on the power play, then it's going to be a close game, and they're, it's going to be hard for the Bruins to win. But they will score on the power. Second best power play in the playoffs right now, I'm pretty sure. In history. Did it look like it was the second best power play in history last night? It doesn't look good, but it works. It didn't work last night. It, it seems like it happens. works when their backs are against the wall in like well, elimination their against, games. Their backs are be against the wall soon. But they needed the power play last night. There's two chances. Did they have a power play in the third period, too, to go ahead? I don't remember. They might have. They definitely had one a chance to tie it in the second period. They didn't do it. And they might have had another one in the third period. And they didn't get it done. So... I don't know. If the Bruins don't score in the power play, then I I worry for them winning games. Bruins in six. I'm not worried. I'm, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. They need to score in the power play, but they have scored in the power play. And the Blues have been playing physical, chippy hockey. In in the TD Garden, the refs are going to make some more, more calls like that, I think, against the Blues. The refs are going to be less reluctant to call something on the Blues in the TD Garden. The longer the, series, the, power play. the longer the series goes on, the less calls there will be. It doesn't matter. Bruins are the better team. The Blues last night to win that game played their best hockey of this series so far, by far. The Bruins played their worst by far. Both goalies let in two eh goals, I think. Definitely two goals they both like to have back. So, I mean, it's a pretty even playing field, and the Blues barely, they had, the Blues barely won that game. It was a very close game. Until they they scored the empty netter with like two minutes left, like and that that was Blues playing their best hockey and the Bruins playing their worst hockey. I don't think the Bruins were playing that bad. They weren't that bad. The forwards were awful. They weren't awful. You said they were okay. They were okay. They all had like one good play. Johansson and Hein and turned the puck over a ton of times. Krejci was no. Krejci Krejci would someone pass him the puck, he'd slap at it, 
The other team gets the puck and he went to backtrack. Krejci was invisible. I don't think that they've scored a goal on our second line. The second line's plus minus is zero. The second so they, line has They haven't zero. given you any offense, but they're not a liability on defense. They're not, they turn the puck over. Krejci has zero points through three games and he keeps turning the puck over every time he gets the puck in the offensive zone. I don't know. The whole team's turning the puck over. Like oh. That third goal was like slapping That's what I'm saying. Bad not, they, they played awful last game. They had a bad game. And the crew got a terrible game. Minus three. Standing still on the first goal. Krug was bad. Clifton couldn't get off the ice all game. It was it was and we were shorthanded on defense. You have to think about that too. The blue the only two blues wins were both times we only had five defensemen for half the game. Right. Or so more. if Chara's out and Cassie said he might go with seven defensemen, what four are you gonna leave out and scratch? I mean probably a Chari, but I I wouldn't mind scratching guys someone like Heinen. <laughs> yeah, maybe Heinen. I mean like uh, yeah, like maybe Heinen. No, nah, probably not Heinen, but yeah. I mean, if they scratch a forward, it would most likely be a Chari, I think. And like, I don't know what you do there. I don't know who would double shift, but I don't think they're going to run 70 men. I don't think that's going to happen. So then what do you do if Chara's out? Who's replacing Chara? Vakainen. Vakainen? Hey, you legit. have faith in Vakainen? I have faith in Vakainen. First round pick for a reason. 20 years old? Like two NHL games? How old was McAvoy when he stepped in? Is this guy as good as McAvoy? If he's half as good, he'll still be an impact player. He's he's not play, he's playing third pairing. I guess. If he's playing, he's playing third pairing against the uh, inferior team. So you got Bruins winning game five? I got Bruins winning game five at home. Best bounce back team so far. The Bruins have bounced back so well in the playoffs, so I don't know. It's pretty hard to bet against them in game five. And I also think that coming off a win, game six in St. Louis, I think back is huge game coming in game six if the Bruins win game five. Trying to win the cup in St. Louis, where he was kind of, a, I mean, he was the captain for them for forever. I'm thinking Bruins win Game Five, back is big Game Six to win. But if the Bruins do win Game, lose Game Five, I don't see the Blues beating the Bruins. I don't see the Blues beating the Bruins twice at home, and I don't see the Bruins losing three games in a row. So I think the Bruins are winning the series regardless. I don't, I just don't see the Blues winning. Yeah, I'll stick with my Bruins in six, but I think the winner of next game wins the series. So you think if the Blues win Game Five, the Bruins are going to win? Lose another game in yeah. Game Six, three in a row. Maybe not Game Six, but maybe Game Seven. I think if you win Game Five, that's that's huge. I also don't think the Bruins are going to win two, two, two. The next two home games. The Bruins are pretty good in TD Garden, and TD Garden's been electric in the same. The TD Garden fans were not Blues great in the first won rounds. There. TD Garden's been electric. Home ice doesn't really matter. I don't think in this series. It's who plays better. Well, if the if the two teams play equal, the Bruins are going to win. The Bruins are a much better team. The Bruins played their worst hockey. Blues played their best hockey, and it was a one-goal game until there was two minutes left. The Bruins, the Blues are not as good as the Bruins. It's just the Blues' defense is not as good as the Bruins. Even when the Bruins are shorthanded on defense, the Blues' defense is not as good. Well, it doesn't matter if the Bruins don't play well. Well, they're gonna play well. They always bounce back. You gotta, you gotta have faith in Bergeron and Marshawn and Pasternak. You gotta have faith in your guys. You gotta have faith in Krejci to bounce back. All right, we'll see. We both have Blues and Bruins in six, though. Bruins in six, yeah. All right. All right, uh, next topic. Sure. NBA Finals. So, uh, series tie 1-1. Big win for the Raptors in Game 1. Drake was hyped. It was pretty electric. Game 2, not so much. Warriors dominated after halftime. Uh, Raptors made it close at the end, mostly because Kyle Lowry fouled out so they could actually play defense <laughs> and they could guard Sean Livingston, which I think was one of the worst 
coaching jobs I've seen, putting Kyle Lowry and Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston looked like Kobe out there when Kyle Lowry was guarding him. Uh, what are your thoughts on the series so far? I'm I'm rooting for the Raptors to win. I'm all I want Canada to win. I'm all aboard the Canada bandwagon. First game, I thought the Raptors played excellent. They're moving the ball. They're playing defense, getting open shots. They totally deserve to win. Second game, the Warriors showed why they're going to win the series. They have just championship DNA that the Raptors don't have. Coming out of halftime, you can't give up an 18-0 run to start the third quarter. You just you just can't do that. And that's a game where. I think game two, the Raptors had to win. Klay Thompson went down in the fourth quarter with a hamstring injury. And then they pretty much took Steph right out of the game in the fourth quarter. Steph didn't even attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. Like a box and one or whatever. And, yeah, the Raptors, I thought, they didn't they didn't know what to do in the last five minutes of the game. They had no idea where their, last bat, where their next basket was going to come from. Kawhi didn't take over. He had 34 points. Kawhi was pretty bad at the end of that he game. He had 34 points, but he didn't really do it was anything. All, it was all free throws. He went 8 for 20, I think, in that game or something like that. He, was, he wasn't good. He Toronto, a three. Toronto didn't look ready for the big moment, uh, in my opinion. And then if you look at the Warriors, all 22 field goals they had in the second half were assisted. They passed the ball so well. It doesn't matter who's on the floor, who's off the floor, I don't think. So if Clay Thompson were to miss the rest of the series or whatever, I still think the Warriors will win in six. Because you got guys like Quinn Cook coming in and draining three threes on you. Like You're just not going to beat the Warriors if you got guys like Quinn Cook coming in and draining three threes. Their role players play so well. We'll see. I I don't see the Raptors winning a game in Golden State. I think State. I'm still sticking with my Drake in the Raptors in seven prediction. Uh, biggest takeaways from game two for me were Lowry and Gasol were absolutely brutal on defense. They made DeMarcus Cousins had his best game in like two seasons, and he only had 16 points, I think. But if anyone, if you watch the game, every time he got the ball, Marcus Gasol was nowhere to be found. He was standing still under the basket. So the Warriors would have, or the Raptors would have to switch someone else onto Cousins, leaving someone wide open for three for the Warriors. And the Warriors don't miss threes. Mark will bounce back, I think. I believe in Mark. Mark's like a defensive. Mark, he, he's like one defensive player of the year, like and now three times in his career. And he can't move anymore. I think he's, they have to give a Baca more minutes or someone like that. You, you got to put someone else on Cousins. Gasol can knock guard him. And Boogie Cousins on one leg, too. It made, I don't know how Gasol had a terrible game. And he, I think Gasol didn't hit a three. He went like two for seven. He, was, he had no impact on that game. He was invisible. He was bad. And then Kyle Lowry is, I don't know why they still play him. There's, the guy is a negative every time he's on the floor. He can't hit shots. He can't guard anyone because he's not big enough. And they put him on like 6'5 guys. It's bad. The Raptors need a, they need a regroup. Drake needs to get more involved in the sideline, although it's going back to Golden State. But I think Drake's got to find a way to get to those games. Where was Drake's Del Curry jersey? Where what? Where'd it go? Drake was repping the Raptors last game, and... He was wearing it was it like go Raptors I think on the front of his or I think yeah, that's it. awful he wasn't chirping dra- anybody he knows he's cursed he uh, cursed the guy in the boxing match there and I uh, don't know their names but yeah he was he was roughing the favorite at a boxing down. match yeah. and some huge underdog one and I mean Drake got no TV time right no Did, not the really. camera never showed NBA him. NBA does not want to see Drake he wasn't in his seat involved, to start the, he wasn't in his seat to start the third quarter. Drake's electric. I don't know why the I think NBA the team, hates Drake. The team feeds off Drake. The team does feed off Drake. He's the best fan in the NBA right now. You can call him a bandwagon. You can say that he's stepping over a line, crossing the line, whatever. No fan has more. Uh, no fan has more impact on the game than Drake right now. Drake, Drake had the uh, whoever they played last round. Coach rattled the Bucks. Budenholzer. Yeah, Budenholzer. Um. I, don't know, I think for the Raptors, Fred Van Fleet can only take you so far. I mean, you get 38 minutes and, last yeah, game. Yeah, Kawhi needs to hit shots in the, down the stretch. Fred's had 17 points in game two, 15 points in game one. He's 
playing his ass off. He's just playing great Fred basketball. Can only take you so far. And you said it best. Fred Van Fleet can't be your number one player in a championship winning team. You need Kawhi. Siakam had a up. tough game too. Too Siakam, unreal game one Dream for Siakam. Watson, we haven't though. talked about that. Siakam was unreal in game one. Carried the Raptors to a win there. Like I said on uh, the finals preview, if you have Draymond and Kawhi, nobody's guarding Siakam down low in the post. And Siakam exposed the Warriors down low. But the Warriors, Kerr adjusted. And I said, Kerr is a great coach. He is a good coach. He's a great coach. He's won a ton of championships for a reason. Mostly because of the players he was given. But he's still a good coach. Um, but I think the, the Raptors need to, I think their coach needs to find a way to adjust. Get Siakam looks down low, not taking threes. He does, he's not a three-point shooter. And I think Kawhi needs to be able to hit shots down the stretch because he really couldn't last game. He got all his, He had 32 points, but there were 14 of them for all free throws, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was like 16 for 16 for the yeah, free throw was, line. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive, but like, he, went, he, went, he shot 8 for 20. I don't, he was horrible. He couldn't hit a 3 either. Was, down the stretch, he didn't do anything, but uh, yeah. I, think the, I still have faith in the Raptors. Kawhi's not going to play that bad down the stretch again. He's gonna. He's, Steph's he's, not gonna play that bad down the stretch again. He's not gonna have zero shots in the fourth quarter again. Well, they play the box and one or whatever. Uh, Steph can't do much against that, and then he's relying on Quinn Cook and Iggy to yeah, hit the shots. Quinn Cook and Iggy hit the shots. Quinn Cook and Iggy aren't. And then you got alley oops to Bogut. Nobody was covering the lob pass to Bogut. That kid has done that Bogut all played day. Seven minutes. He could have played twenty one and gotten fifteen with the lob pass. They couldn't stop it. Well, yeah, because they have Marcus All out there. Marcus Gasol, he'll watch film, he'll regroup. Marcus Gasol's bad. They're not here at Marcus this Hall, point without Marcus Gasol. looked washed up last game. Marcus Gasol has been good in the playoffs. He looked washed up last game. I'd give Ibaka more minutes. Maybe even start him. Gasol is... Gasol looked washed. And, I mean, Boogie. when Boogie Cousins is looking like prime Boogie Cousins, it doesn't really, like... That kind of offsets the clay injury. Not really the KD. I mean, the KD injury is... You can't... Like, you can't replace KD, obviously. But if KD comes back, the Raptors could be in trouble. But they all you could also make the argument that KD could come back, screw up the on-court chemistry. I don't know. We'll see. Raptors in seven. I'm still have, I still have faith. Drake's got to get fired up for game five, though. We need Drake fired up on the sideline. Do you think Clay will play the next couple of games? Um, is he, what is he right now? Questionable day-to-day? Yeah, like a hamstring injury. A, you either pulled your hamstring or you didn't. I say, I bet you they'll sit him game three, and if they... Don't win, then they'll play him. That's my prediction. You if they, they if you they'll see they if they win the championship without Clay and Katie. Yeah, I think Steph Curry is that good, and I think their supporting cast is. People people say, oh, they the Warriors aren't a deep team. There, Iguodala is clutch still, and yeah. as, if you saw that three, Iguodala is a great role player to have. I think Quinn Cook was draining threes last game. They have good role players. Steph Curry is that good, in my opinion. I think they can win a championship, but I, I think they could, but I still have. I still have faith in the Raptors. Still believe in Drake. I still believe in Drake. I can't. I can't go away from my prediction. It's only one one. Plenty of time. Plenty. Of, a lot of basketball left to play. All Not right. worried. So actually, what was on after Game One of the NBA Finals was the uh, Spelling Bee on ESPN. So after the NBA Finals, it ended around eleven thirty ish. Spelling Bee was concluding around midnight on ESPN, and I got a couple of things to say about the Spelling Bee. I first want to start off with saying these middle schoolers are very good at what they do. They spell words at a level that I can never achieve anything at. I'll never achieve anything in my life at the level that these middle schoolers spell words. Yeah. They're incredible. The time that they Geniuses. put into it, they know a ton of words. So in the end, what happened was there was eight co-champions in the spelling bee. 
they hit 20 rounds, and every single person who lasted 20 rounds without getting a word incorrect won the spelling bee. I completely disagree with this 100%. I don't understand this at all. This is like everyone who finishes under 10 under par wins the Masters. Or every horse that finishes under 2 minutes and 5 seconds wins the Kentucky Derby. Or every single person who runs a 100-meter dash finishes under 10 seconds wins a gold medal. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's... So, I don't know. It kind of plays into this everybody gets a participation trophy again. And, I don't know. All these kids... We got to find a way to settle this and get one champion. Either you have harder words, which there can definitely be harder words, because a word called Palama was read in round 20. Palama. How could you spell that wrong? P A L A M A. I don't know what other letters you could get from that word, other from Palama. So, I don't know. Have them spell the word backwards, or don't give them the definition, or don't give them the origin. Or just or, have more, more words. Or go longer and. How many, longer how many words. kids are in the. Uh... I don't know how many they started with, but somehow there was eight that finished with a medal around and had confetti dropping for like eight people. I think they could definitely find some more words. That, I don't know. Palomo is right around 20. They, they need at least... Change languages or, or do something. I don't... <laughs> there's got to be a way that you can end the spelling bee. Yeah. Yeah. Without I agree. You need champions. a champion. You need a champion. And then also, the spelling bee ended at midnight. Why are these middle schoolers up at midnight spelling words? Like they're, <laughs> this is, they're getting they used for money. Time. It's ridiculous. Why can't we do this at tape delay? No one's going to reveal the results of the spelling so the, bee. Do the winners win any money or anything? Or I, I don't I don't know what they win, but there's you can you can do it on tape delay, right? Yeah, you're right. You don't yeah. even have these middle schoolers up at <laughs> midnight trying to spell these words. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not taking anything away from these middle schoolers. They have fantastic talent, but I want one spelling bee champion. I don't want eight co-champions. Maybe they should. They should. As the rounds go on, give them less time. That's, that's less time? There's definitely ways where you can... Make it more intense or something like that. Yes. Maybe quick, quick. Or we can have a competition. Like Put these eight guys in like a bracket and have them who spells the word faster moves on. How about that? So instead <laughs> of having reading off the definitions and the origins and different pronunciations, say the word and the guy that comes up with it first wins. How about oh, that? I agree with that. I agree with you there. I, you need something. They need Eight champions is a little ridiculous, in my opinion. We can't, they, I don't know. I don't know. I agree. Eight champions is a lot. That's... So congrats to all these spelling bee kids. They fantastic. They know a lot of words, but we need one spelling bee champion, and eight is way too many. And I think twenty rounds is not enough. Or yeah. find a way to make it interesting. You're right. I agree. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk about the UCL final real quick. Uh, boring game. Liverpool wins two nothing. I called the shutout. PJ called the. Well, he called the two goal win. Oh uh, yeah, you can talk about this. Not much to say. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty bad game. I think what contributed to it was the early penalty kick. Did you see the call on the handball? Uh, no, no. I, I, so it was kind of nope. questionable. It kind of hit him on the top of the chest and then off the arm. So that gave Liverpool a one nothing lead, basically like thirty seconds into the game. Yeah. That's... So after that point, Liverpool could just kind of play defensive and make Tottenham try and beat them. And Tottenham, they never looked like scoring. They couldn't. Harry create... Kane was Harry Kane had played in like a month, or two months. He was yeah, rusty. he started. He didn't do anything. So they could have, they could have played different players, but Spurs didn't really create any offensive chances. They kind of have themselves to blame, I think. And Liverpool overall, they're a better team. They, like you said, they were kind of, uh, what's it called? It was ready. They were like ready to win the trophy. Like yeah, last no, they, season they got Real Madrid. They're they motivated. Got they're determined. Yeah. Yeah. They got they got screwed out of plenty. They of need previous. vengeance. Yeah. So I think we can talk about what this does moving forward for Liverpool. Maybe they could create a Champions League dynasty. Because I don't, I don't really see who's going to be able to beat them over two legs in the next three or four years. I think they can get back to the final at least three times in the next stacked. five years. Most of all, he's unreal. 
and then unreal player. They can create a UCL dynasty, or maybe they can focus on winning their first Premier League title in thirty years. Now that they've already won the Champions League, don't focus on that as much, and then put all their eggs in the Premier League basket. They could do that easily too. Yeah, I agree. They don't have to go back to back. And the Premier League title, if you're an Arsenal one Liverpool fan, they would rather win the Premier League over the Champions League. So, I think. And then for a Spurs point of view, that could be as good as it gets. You might never get back to that point again. They don't look like winning the Premier League anytime soon. Their manager, Pochettino, he might go to a bigger club. So, I think Spurs, that was their one big chance. Their team's getting older, players' contracts are running down. So That's tough. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. And then um, last uh, thing we'll talk about today before the bias bonus was uh, Javon Quinterly, former Villanova five-star point guard transferring to Alabama. He chose Bama over Pittsburgh. Seamus, you're a big Bama basketball fan. You've kind of followed JQ a little bit. What do you think about this move? When I call myself a Bama basketball fan, just had Colin Sexton carrying them to the title a few years ago in my bracket until Villanova actually beat them in the second round, ironically. But uh, JQ, in my opinion, is one of the most overrated athletes I've ever got to see in person. This guy, every every Villanova fan's hyping him up to me when I'm going to the UConn-Villanova game. This kid, superstar point guard, five-star recruit, Jelly JQ, you know, he's sick layups. Like, you know, he can dribble really good. This kid can't shoot. He's like six feet tall, maybe. He's he's Kyle Lowry's height, so he can't really defend. Doesn't really try on defense. He's uh, actually listed at six one, so I think he's he's bigger than what you're saying him to be. By an inch, and if he's listed at six <laughs> one, he's probably five eleven. Can't defend at all. He doesn't try on defense. And then when I saw him live, and when I saw him on TV, because I watched some Villanova games this year, he'd get the ball. Like people are saying, oh, he didn't get enough minutes. He didn't get enough minutes. That's why he couldn't score. That's why he didn't put up points. Okay, we get on the court. Get the ball, get a wide open three, and just stand there and stare at the hoop and not do anything. He wouldn't pull the trigger. He'd be terrified. And then he'd pass it to some guy in the corner, and not, he'd like slowly jog back on defense after the <laughs> other guy either hit the shot or brick. This guy was useless, a liability on the court. They didn't guard him, and he kept getting these open threes because I knew he wasn't going to shoot or do anything. And then the, when he did try to drive, he'd either brick the layup or turn it over. <laughs> I don't. This guy probably averaged like seven minutes a game. Nine minutes a game. Nine minutes a game. Three point two points per game. That's off. I don't know how many turnovers a game he averaged, but probably I, it was one turnover a game, which is a lot for only having nine minutes. <laughs> nine minutes, three points, one turnover. One he, assist. So he averaged the same amount of turnovers as assists as a point guard, five star recruit, and he was behind this guy Gillespie. Colin Gillespie. Colin Gillespie, who's like sophomore white point guard, local kid from like Pennsylvania. Gillespie. Did Gillespie even start on his high, his own high school team? <laughs> and he's starting over JQ, a five star point guard, hyped up at Villanova. Is and then this kid and JQ was also posted on Instagram after they lost to Penn. He said second choice for a reason because he couldn't go to Arizona because he was taking money for whatever to go there. That's he's an awful teammate. Clearly, who who posted on Instagram after loss in the season? It was like five minutes after the loss. That is awful. He's, he had, eventually had to delete it. One of the best things to happen to Villanova basketball in a while is him transferring. And as a Someone who, I wouldn't call myself an Alabama basketball fan at all, but as someone who has rooted for them in the past, I can no longer root for them ever again. I will never pick them to win another tournament game again. How do you even want this guy on your team? And they have a new coach. They have this wicked good point guard coming back for his sophomore year. He was expected to leave or transfer to a bigger school, and this kid's coming back. And all of a sudden, you bring in JQ. People thought Alabama was one of the biggest sleeper teams in college basketball this season. They thought potential top 25 team, and then you bring in JQ to your locker room. He's going to blow it up. This team, I have no faith in Alabama okay, basketball. Okay, well, you, can, you may be able to root for Alabama for one more year if 
JQ is not eligible this season. He shouldn't be eligible. The NCAA can't make a rule and let every single five-star waive it when they don't get starting time at their uh, the schools they go to because they're not good enough. Okay, so right now, JQ is 20 years old. He's a t- He turned 20 in November, so he's like a 20-year-old freshman. No so, NBA future for this kid. Right. So Calling he, it now. If he's not eligible to play next season, I'm 21. He's got three years left of eligibility left, so he'll be 22, 23, 24. He'll be a 24-year-old point guard in the NCAA if he's if he's still at Bama by then. Who even knows where he's going to be in four years? And if, the weird thing, the NBA, like, if you're, like, if you're 22 and you're the best player in college basketball, you're, like, 18th overall pick at best. Like, like I don't know, like, Buddy Heald was the best player in college basketball, and, like, he was unreal, and I don't think JQ's ever going to be at that level. And he was, since he was, like, 20, 21 or something, he was, like, three years older than guys. I mean, I think the real winners in barely, this, the real winners in this are Pittsburgh, who he didn't go to, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh, I think Pitt's winners. the real winner. Like, watching JQ play... It's disappointing, and the guy thinks he's he thinks he's a legend. Well, he's got four hundred seventy thousand followers on Instagram. He's got one point one million people watching his mixtape on views on YouTube. He's Jelly Fam. I don't even Jelly JQ. Jelly JQ. Yeah, I mean, build a career off Instagram, Instagram uh, highlights, and his Instagram mixtape, and just to get dominated by Colin Gillespie in practice. Just get, yeah, Colin Gillespie. I mean, come on, how do you get benched by Colin? Gillespie? I I think Colin Gillespie's a good player. How many points did Colin Gillespie average? Like six? And he was starting over JQ. I don't know. Colin Gillespie can't even create his own shot. He's basically like a defensive guy. Yeah. It's JQ's terrible. Everyone's trying to make opinion. excuses for JQ that he like wasn't. Maybe maybe he'll prove system. me wrong. I hope for his sake he'll prove me wrong, but people said it was the system. He got his open shots and he just wouldn't take them. Couldn't play defense. Didn't pass. Turned the ball over every time he had it. Let's move on. Bias bonus time. Alright, bias bonus. We got a diverse bias bonus this week. So we'll start off with uh, the under-20 World Cup quarterfinal. Who wins, Ukraine or Colombia? I'll take Colombia. I'm a big fan of the show Narcos. It takes place there on the first two seasons, the under three. So, yeah, Colombia. I'll go Ukraine. They haven't lost uh, in the group stage at all. All right, number two. Will the Warriors outscore the Raptors by more than seven points in the third quarter in game three? Uh, I'm going to go no. Don't think the Raptors collapse in the third quarter two games in a row. Uh, I'll, I'll go yes, and it's more likely because they're at home as well. Number three, higher total. Charlie Coyle face-off wins in Game 5 or Kyle Lowry fouls in Game 3? Uh, I'm never going to bet on Kyle Lowry, even if it's betting on him sucking, so I'll take Coyle. <laughs> I'll go Coyle, too. I think Kyle Lowry, maybe a little bounce-back game for Kyle. 15 points, 5 assists, 3 fouls. Probably not. Kyle Lowry, big bounce-back game in Game 3. All right, number four. Uh, the RBC Canadian Open, lower first-round score, Bubba Watson or Keegan Bradley? Um... I'll take uh I'll take Bubba Watson. He's clutch. That one shot a couple of years ago. That was in the Masters. The Masters. Yeah. yeah the only problem for him is that they're not playing at the Masters. So I'll go Keegan Bradley. He's thirty four under in his last two Canadians opens. Finished fourth and tied fourteenth. I'll go. I'll go Keegan Bradley. All right, number five. More shots on goal before the first TV timeout in Game Five. Bruins or Blues? Uh, Bruins. Big bounce back at home. Uh, I'll go Bruins too, but I have no idea. Um, who wins the NCAA softball championship? UCLA or Oklahoma? It's a best of three series, which UCLA won game one, 16-3 last night. They're up one nothing. They won 16-3? Yes. Ooh, uh, well, I can't. You don't bet against a team that won 16-3, so I'll take UCLA. I'm going to go OU bounce back. Number one in the nation. UCLA is number two, but OU bounce back uh, 42 in, no, 49-2 and two in the regular season. I like That's OU. Pretty impressive. They have That's nice, pretty impressive. They have nice red and white jerseys, too. All right, number seven, higher total Wednesday night. Chris Sale strikeouts versus the Royals or Steph Curry field goals in game three? Uh, Steph Curry, I'd say. Steph Curry, if Clay doesn't play, Steph Curry's going to be 
He's going to be dominating the ball. I'll take Steph Curry. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Chris Sale. He's got ten plus strikeouts and five out of his last six starts. He's not winning many games, but he's striking people out. All right, French Open. Will Dominic Time and Novak Djokovic both advance to the semifinals? Time faces Karen Kachanov from Russia, and Djokovic faces Alexander Zherkov from Germany. Um, I'm gonna say no. I don't really have a reason. It's just, you know, gut I'll, feeling. I'll give you a reason. 2018, uh, Time lost to the guy he's facing. And in 2017, Djokovic lost to the guy that he's facing. But I'm going to go with uh, yes. Big stage, big players. Tom, Bounce back. Time's on the rise. He's he's uh, number four ranked. And Djokovic has been number one in the tennis world for 250 weeks. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty so crazy. I'll go with Djokovic and Time to both win. All right. Will the game-winning goal in game five come with under 10 minutes left in the third period or in overtime? Um, no. I think Bruins are going to win by a lot, so. No, I think. I'll go yes. Uh, tight game. Half of it, just to disagree with you. Alright, last one. San Francisco Giants at the New York Mets. This is game is being played Tuesday night. Which starting pitcher will last longer into the game, Madison Bumgarner or Noah Syndergaard? Um, I'm going to take Mad Bum because I like his nickname. Yeah, I'll go Mad Bum as well. He's completed at least six innings in every road start this season. He's a very reliable but that should be that should be a close one. I'll go Baumgartner as well. All right, good stuff. What's our uh, what's our overall records? Oh yes, I forgot to add the overall records. I don't even know why you'd ask. But last week, uh, I went six and four. Seamus went three and seven. <sighs> that gives a total record of me seventeen and thirteen. Seamus eleven and nineteen. So right now I am six games above Seamus. Seamus's winning percentage is eleven divided by thirty, which is somewhere right above thirty percent, which is not good. No, it's not. Um... Kind of, I'm shooting like playoff Kyrie right now. This is not good stuff. <laughs> I need to bounce back. I'm not worried though. A lot of a lot of time left before. There's a lot of bias bonus. Left. A lot of bias bonus left. So I'm not worried. All right, I think that wraps it up for uh, episode four. Biased opinion. Uh, remember, follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll tweet whenever new episodes up, and we'll uh, tweet out a link where you can leave a voice message to possibly in the next pod to possibly be in the next podcast. So. uh Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday this week.